listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. No. (laughs) And we both, thank God, are healthy. So, so thankful for that. Guys, we're your resident best friends here to help you along your relationship journey, especially during this coronavirus pandemic where relationships are even more important than ever before. That's right. Think of us as your very own fun fairies because we all need some fun right now, bringing joy to the process of dating and relationships and quarantine and all of the things, sprinkling love dust all over the place because it takes a village to date and we are your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. It's helpful because it shows that we have a loyal and growing audience and allows us to bring you fab offers, which you will hear about soon. Keeps the lights on for us in this village that we are running in the isolation that of the world today. So contribute to the village, share, listen, tell friends, and we love you all and hope you're all healthy. Yes. And because of this pandemic, I've been super anxious about dating and finding love, being on hold. Like my whole life is really just on hold in that whole area of dating and relationships. I know. I mean, how could it not be? And I'm super anxious about bringing a newborn into the world. So that's fun. Yeah. Thankfully, we can calm ourselves at least for this next hour because we have love and life coach and podcaster Veronica Grant in to discuss how we can use this time of isolation to reflect on relationship patterns and her five-step strategy to banish anxiety and overwhelm in dating during the whole COVID-19 pandemic and beyond once this whole thing wraps up. Because it's Nana. We're here for it right now. We're we're in it together. It's going to come to an end. We all have to be hopeful. But until then, we are here to get you through it. Veronica is going to help. So Veronica is a love and life coach and host of the popular Love Life Connection podcast. She helps successful women who feel like they have it all except love. She helps them find it. Veronica's work has been featured in O, The Oprah Magazine, which I'm sure you are all very familiar with, Bustle, Your Tango, and Cosmopolitan, to name a few. And as someone who struggled in love herself and was tired of unsolicited and usually patronizing dating advice, even if people were well-meaning with it, she created the resources she wished were available before she met her husband. Through her binge-worthy podcast, free challenges, and coaching, she's here to shake up how you find love even in our swipe right, swipe left coronavirus world. Oh, gosh, I know. A few of her guilty pleasures include uh, psychoanalyzing TV and real-life famous couples, hiking with her husband and pup, and sushi everything. Oh, that sounds so good right now. So basically, she and I sound like twins, except Um, I have no husband. Yeah, love it. (laughs) Love. So... Obviously, things are very complicated right now, and it's not, you know, unique to us. It's everybody. But um, this whole dating thing has become sort of polarizing, I would say, for people because either they're super into it because they're now on their couch, have time, and like surfacing on these apps or paying more attention to them, or they're on the other side of things and they are not participating in the apps, but their profiles might still be up or they're just like matching and then not taking the next step. So because there's no rush, you're not going to meet anybody in person for like more than 30 days at least. So it's been a little bit 
trying right now and frustrating. But again, I updated my profiles even more since last week. I changed my photo to be more representative of like what I like to do. It's not just like a pretty photo of me, but it's me in front of like an art piece from when I went to Miami. Great. um, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to be hopeful. I'm actually doing like a virtual dating thing this week thanks to the list. Um, Constance came on our show, the CEO of that app. And so she's got this virtual happy hour for singles. So I'm just checking it out. Maybe market research, maybe because I want to meet somebody. We shall see. Um, But aside from that, I played truth or drink with some friends and then also like just one friend and there's different categories for it. You can play like normal where it's just sort of like funny and everyone says like, you know, something about themselves or they drink or you can play it like the dirty version. So between that and then Modern Love released the 36 questions you should ask somebody to like get closer to them. Between those two things, I feel like we've got plenty to talk about on these dating apps. And when we take it to like FaceTime or just starting a new relationship, you've got plenty of time to really get to know somebody. So these are great, great tools for that. And I just like wonder almost if there's a different way to approach these apps with Corona being prevalent. Like, do we address it? Do we not address it? So many people have been asking me like, how are you spending your time? Are you going stir crazy? And everyone either has a lot to say or nothing to say in the conversation dies. So I actually really appreciate people that are kind of positive, really filling their days with meaningful things, but also like funny about it. Cause like, they're not, you know, hiding under a table in fear and depression. So it's an interesting time to see how people fare under pressure. Um, but I don't know. We got to talk to Veronica about all this because. Yeah, I think she's definitely going to have some tips about her dating advice and her thoughts about it in general and how it translates into now. And I think that you sort of just did that right now. Like all of these things are potentially available to us. Like, questions to ask people on a date or whatever. They're just being transformed specifically for what's going on now because what's happening is so oddly specific and like unique and a whole one of a kind. So it's not going to be hard to find information about how to like navigate through a time like this and whatever category you might be searching work, love life, anything. Um, and I think you just, what it comes down to is someone who is not crippled by the fear. And we understand that affects everyone differently depending on how it's affected your life. But like trying to find some like peace and knowing that we're all connected and like being proactive. I think these are like human qualities that you have or don't have. And so in a time like this, they will show up or they won't show up. So like, if you're a yeah, if you're a person like you, Jen, who is like very, you know, motivated, you're going to continue to be motivated during this time. And it shows because you're doing these, um, looking up certain articles and doing these certain types of dating things and constantly switching, switching your app. You don't have to do that, but like, why not? Why not? And also like now is the best time for people who potentially mostly pay for dates to take advantage of not having to pay for dates and really plus up on the amount of FaceTime dates and phone calls they can do without spending the money and, you know, taking their chances on people that they might not like. This 
is like the most efficient thing you can be doing right now. Exactly. And it's easy and you're stuck at home and you're like bored and thinking of trying to think of something to do. Necessity is the mother of invention, like FaceTime with somebody and have a drink. It's like, what is the, I mean, yes, it's like in person and you're out and you can like see and touch the person potentially, but like, it's not that different. And it's not like rocket science people. Like no. start to tap into the use of technology. This this virus is making us feel like we're in the dark ages, but because we have technology, like how is this going to balance it out? I think it will. Um, so I'm dealing with like, it's actually not a thing anymore, but there was talk about hospitals not allowing um, partners into the birthing room with the mothers. And I know they did it in New York for a little bit. Um, That's clearly a little bit of a a more extreme situation there with the amount of people sick and things. But I was trying to start thinking of a plan B because if I wasn't going to go to the hospital and have this baby, like have James drop me off and be like, okay, pick you up when you're done. Like that's what was going to have to happen. No, thanks. So it was like, then it just, it makes you kind of worry about like all of the things that could happen. That could still happen. If like things go awry, that could still happen. Um, But right now they're not talking about doing that anymore. They're not talking about doing it anymore and they're not doing it in New York anymore. So um, as of now, it's okay, but we, you know, we're going to hope for the best. It hasn't really peaked in LA yet. So who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I'm not due until mid-May ish. So anyway, but um, isolation has been interesting, but because we're doing a renovation, we're going back and forth from our house that we live into the house we're renovating. And it's been kind of fun to be there with just James because we're either at our house or that house. So it's the same thing. Um, and like, it's kind of cool to be in a different setting, like to get in the car and then go to a different house. Um, it mixes it up a little and it's fun to watch all of the things that we're planning, like come together. Um, and it's like just a reminder of like teamwork. And it, it also reminds me too, that like in us on a small scale, like he and I are a team, but on a larger scale, like we all in LA and California and the world, we have to work together as a team now to like make this thing go away. And so being a part of that on a small scale kind of reminds you that people are really connected and that we all can like work together and it just sort of, it like is uplifting at a time like this, you know? So, and the fact that you and James can work together on like multiple projects amidst a pandemic is quite impressive as well regarding like the health of your relationship. Like you're having a baby that might, you know, those plans might change. You're in the process of moving houses and renovating a house, having to make decisions together and stay aligned and also, um, you know, be respectful and loving to each other. And then like you are managing like James's daughter and like homeschooled and all that stuff. So, oh, plus there's this podcast, but- There's that. Um, And maintaining like your sanity, your own health, because you're having a baby inside of you grow, you know, each and every day. And it's a lot at once. So if nothing else comes of this pandemic, you now know you can do all the things during a pandemic together. I hope so. Teamwork, right? Teamwork is the dream work. Yep. No. Teamwork makes the dream work. I was just going to let it go because, you know, but yeah, teamwork makes the dream work. One day I will get the sayings right. One day I should just study them because I have nothing. Study them now. You've got time. Right. Okay. Fine. Sometimes you really don't know if a date is going to be just drinks or drinks and food 
or an about face and walk directly back out from where you came in. So it's important to plan ahead and consume something before you head out into the unknown. This is exactly why we are thrilled that Iconic Protein has partnered with us for this episode to help uncomplicate things by giving all of our listeners 25% off their first order. Iconic keeps us energized and it'll keep you energized too while you're maybe working from home, squeezing in an at-home workout, or just keeping all of the things afloat because they only use grass-fed milk protein, which is richer in beneficial nutrients and helps keep you fuller longer. If you're looking for a quick pick-me-up or just craving a nutritious and delicious snack, Iconic Protein drinks are low sugar, low calorie, low carb, and you can count on them to taste really good with none of the guilt. And who wants guilt right now when we're dealing with all of this that's going on in the world? So guys, they have a variety of flavors, including chocolate truffle, which is basically a chocolate milkshake and delicious, cafe latte, which has caffeine and will give you that pick-me-up you need, Vanilla bean, which is just an honest delight. Turmeric ginger, which reduces inflammation and helps keep you healthy. And cacao and greens, which includes a full daily serving of organic vegetables. And we all need that right now. And hello, they're rated number one for the best tasting protein shake on Amazon. And that's tough because there's a zillion items on Amazon. Everyone claiming to be the best, but these guys really are. We're currently obsessed and know you will be too. So use our code COMPLICATED to get 25% off your first Iconic order on drinkiconic.com or Amazon. She teaches you how to discover the person you need to be to have the relationship you truly want. Welcome to the show, Veronica. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. So where are you joining us from? Because we know everyone is displaced right now. I know. I am joining you from Asheville, North Carolina. I've been there and it's beautiful. It is. It's, it is. It's where I grew up. So it's a very special place. Wow. It's not easy to get there though. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's great that you are somewhere beautiful and somewhere that is comfy and home and also yeah. probably um, less urban. Yes, it's 100%. I was going crazy. We we live in Philadelphia and I was just going nuts because I just really need to be outside and get fresh air to feel grounded in my day. And I couldn't go outside and like stay six feet for everyone. So I was like trying to like <laughs> run around or like bounce across the sidewalk to, you know, I don't know. It was a mess. So I'm very happy to be here. And okay, so currently your relationship status and like life is what? I am married. And we are expecting our first baby this fall. I'm pregnant too. And I am due in like a month, basically. So you have a little more time. Like that is, and we know that you talk about like love and anxiety and relationships and stuff, but like anxiety is taking on a whole new meaning right now with like this whole pandemic. And I'm like so anxious about having a baby and all of this. I'm thankful that you've got a little time, but I'm like, oh my God. And it really does make it scary because yes, of course you want to like not spread the disease no matter what. But like then when you're thinking about the fact that you have like a baby and then going to a hospital and then once you have the baby, like how do you keep the baby from not getting sick? It's like a whole new layer. I know. I know. I can't even, I can't even imagine like there's a part of me that is glad I'm not due for a while. Then there's also a part of me that's like, well, I can't even spend the last few months, you know, going out and doing things and going on our baby moon and doing all this. So it's just, it's just, I mean, obviously like the pandemic is just terrible 
all around, but it's just extra hard, I think, for, for pregnant people right now. I think, yes, I think there are layers that happen in life, like in the dating and relationship world, it sucks if you're like just getting into a relationship and then you can't like let that flourish. Or if you're like mm-hmm. single and you want to date and then you can't because there's always something. And we can always say like, this is the thing. I think we should all be candid about this. Like, of course, all of us are happy that we're healthy and that we're safe if you are. And But I think you're also allowed to vent, right? Like, yeah, you're upset that you can't go on your honeymoon or your baby moon and like go out and do things. I mean, I had to cancel two baby showers and can't do a hospital tour and can't have a birthing class and can't uh, do, go on a baby moon that we had to also cancel that we mm-hmm. had to tentatively planned. And while none of those things need to happen to have a baby, they still, it's still disappointing. Yeah. So I feel like we all need to just, whatever is being taken away from us at this point is something that I think we're allowed to mourn also while being grateful that we're not sick or if we were sick, that we're getting healthy or whatever it is. Yeah. I think you can be both, right? Totally. A hundred percent. Like, I think that when we begin to minimize our own emotions, our own suffering, our own pain, whatever it is, then it's like, at what point do you draw the line when, oh, I can get over that, or I shouldn't be mad at that, or I shouldn't be upset about that. And then it can just keep going, going, going. And I mean, that can create very leaky relationships, you know, like leaky boundaries. And I mean, not even just romantic relationships, but leaky friendship boundaries, leaky family boundaries, leaky uh, co-working, you know, boundaries. And so I think that when we can just acknowledge our feelings and also without going into like, poor me, you know, woe is me, but also keep the gratitude while also saying, man, this really sucks. Then I think that really helps you actually in, in relationship because then you just own how you feel and you don't have to, you know, you're not in the habit of having to apologize for it. Absolutely. Is this something that your like clients right now are facing? And if so, what is like the most prevalent thing that everyone's sort of saying? The most prevalent thing I hear is, you know, I would say about 60% of my clients are never married, don't have kids. And then I have another set of clients that are older and they have kids. They've been they're divorced. And so they're quarantined with their kids, which I guess you could argue if that's better or worse. But I have a lot of clients that are that are quarantined basically all alone. And even for introverts, even for homebodies, this is a lot. <laughs> and wow. so and so for me, that's what I've just noticed to be the most difficult thing for them. And so for them, I think it's really about I think it actually can be an opportunity. You know, I've, I talk about this a lot and I've, you know, tried to teach this to my community that this is not necessarily the time to jump online and to start swiping and talking to people, even though that's virtual and you can do that. I think it's actually a time to practice and, and nurture the connection with yourself because when you're spending this much time alone, all sorts of stuff is going to come up. Like all your crap's going to come up just because like you have more time and there's less distractions. And I think that if you utilize this time to manage that, then when this is all over, whenever this is and however it's going to look, you'll have a new normal when it comes to who you're attracting, what kind of relationships you're getting into and all that kind of stuff. So how do you know if you're... So you're in self-isolation and you're 
you know, thinking about things are coming up for you, which I, we agree, that's totally natural. Like things are going to come up. Your mind's going to start to wander. You're going to start to like worry about things. How do you tell the difference between like, this is a worry that like, I'm maybe I'm letting my fear get the best of me, or this is actually a thing that I think I need to reflect on and fix. Like, how do you draw the line so that you can then like maybe make a list of like two things that you think you need to fix while you're in isolation so that it doesn't, surface when we can actually be around other humans again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different ways I would look at this question. The first is whenever it comes to fear and worry, I think it's really helpful to look at what's real and what's not real. So I always use the the coffee pot example. So let's say when it's not coronavirus time, you make your coffee and then you get ready for work and then you leave for work. And then you're halfway to work and you're like, oh man, did I forget to turn the coffee maker off? And you're like, I don't want to have the house burned down. So I need to go back and make sure the coffee maker's off. And so you turn around and you go back home and you turn the coffee maker off and all is well. So that's a real fear, right? There's a real fear. Oh crap, something might happen. Something bad might happen because I left the coffee maker on. The not real fear is when you leave for work every day and you're afraid your house is going to burn down, right? Like it might, right? Like who knows what, I mean, things happen, but for the most part, it's probably not statistically. And there's nothing really that you can do tangibly about the second fear. And so when it comes to our own stuff, like, oh, well, you know, if I say this, is he going to think that? Or if I don't do this, will this happen? Or will I be single forever? Or will I ever get to have kids? Will I ever get married? Or whatever it is, you have to look at, okay, what is actually like a real fear that I could do something about right now? So maybe the fear is like, I feel like, you know, this Friday night, I'm just going to feel really, really lonely. And so the, the real tangible action you can do would be, okay, can you schedule a Skype date with a girlfriend or with you know, someone you're close to and just want to hang out with for an hour or two just to, you know, catch up and hang out. Now, if you're having this worry of, I'm going to be alone forever, and you know, that seems to be coming up. Well, I would definitely say that the fear is more of a worry. And, you know, there's not really anything tangibly you could do about it. But it's still kind of like the tip of the iceberg. It's still going to give you information like, hey, there's something else going on. So maybe the issue isn't that you might be alone forever. The issue is that your mind always goes into, you know, the worst case scenario thinking or that you're, um, you know, you have trouble being present or trusting the process or trusting where you are. And so then that can help you see, okay, so I don't need to worry about the thing that I'm worrying about. But the thing that's coming up is I'm constantly worried about all these things that I can't control. So how can I focus on that? And you can spend your time during the coronavirus, like working on that issue. Does that make sense? Totally does. And so in terms of like that example, that would be like looking at your patterns and sort of like seeing what's consistent. What are some other things too that you can be working on? Like you said, now is the best time to focus inward. crappy, then what I would have them do is I would have them look at their past either three relationships or the past uh, three most significant relationships, like the ones that really just sent you through the ringer or that just had a huge impact on your life. And I would just look at what was the nature of those relationships? Like what was the dynamic between the two of you? And um, did you feel supported? Did you feel loved? Did you feel 
you know, something else, maybe like unsupported or unloved in the relationship, why or why not? And then I would also look at what was the nature of the breakup why did the breakup happen? And then how has the aftermath of the breakup happened? And so when you're looking at this, you can begin to pull out some patterns. So if you're looking at a few different relationships and you're just looking at the patterns and you're trying to figure it out, one question you can ask yourself is, where have I felt like this before? Or who does this person remind me of? Or what does this situation or this experience or this relationship remind me of? Because usually we're recreating or playing out things from childhood. And so then from there, you can begin to see, okay, I'm actually playing out this thing from, you know, my dad or whatever. Maybe like dad wasn't around very much growing up. And so now you've created this belief that, you know, if you're, you know, heterosexual woman, like maybe you've created created this belief that men always leave. Um, and so then you can see in your relationship, like how, or the relationships you've attracted, these men are kind of like your father and that they're kind of emotionally aloof and they always end up leaving. Maybe they cheat on you. And there's a part of you that still keeps trying to make the relationship work because you really just want your dad to stay, right? So you're like playing out that, but you're playing it out through the relationships that you're having and as an adult in present day life. And so when you can begin to see some of these patterns and create the awareness, that's when you can begin to actually just heal the pain, heal the hurt of whatever, you know, that pattern was created from. And that's just simply feeling your feelings, allowing yourself to feel sad, allowing yourself to feel the grief or the rejection or whatever it is. And then you can begin to work with that little 10-year-old or that five-year-old or that eight-year-old or however old she was when dad left or when mom was too busy to pay attention or when mom put all all her emotions on you. Like whatever the thing was, it doesn't really matter what it is. You can connect with your inner child and almost reparent her to help her see that you know, her dad left, leaving had nothing to do with her. It was not a referendum on her worthiness or her lovability. And then when you can do all that, then you're not dating from this place. Like, so this is like post-corona, you're not dating from this place of, I need to, you know, fill this void that dad left. You feel like you feel good and you feel more confident and you feel more worthy and you feel um, more whole on your own. Like you don't feel like you need someone else to complete you, so to speak. And then when you can date from that place, I mean, you can just feel the difference in the energy. Like if you really need, if you really feel like you need a partner to feel good enough or to feel whole, like that's just a different energy. Like you're just going to put up with a lot more crap. (laughs) You're going to just settle for crumbs basically. But if you feel good on your own, then I mean, A, I, I believe in like energy and vibration. I think your vibration's higher, but on a more practical level, um, you're just not going to settle for crap because you're like, I don't have to deal with that shit. <laughs> and then you just move on to the next person. So we can break that down. I know that was a lot, but that's what I would encourage um, women to do who are single and not you know, thrilled with the state of their love life. You don't have to rehash your whole childhood. Like this is not therapy. This is like, okay, you feel like every man is going to leave you. When have you felt like that before? Or what does that remind you of? Like, those are questions you can ask yourself. Um, Or if you don't feel worthy, or if you feel like you always have to take care of people in order to feel loved, then you can ask yourself, when was the first time I felt like this? Or where have I felt like this before? Who does this remind me of? Who does this person remind me of? Who does the relationship remind me of? And more often than not, something will come up. And whatever that something is, like, boom, that's all you need. You don't need to know, like, everything that happened. It doesn't even matter if the thing that you remember is 
factually correct or actually occurred in the you know, the chronology that you remember it, because what is important is not what happened, but it's a story that you told yourself, right? So like, you know, crappy things and less than ideal things happen all the time. That's part of being a human, right? Like rejection is a part of life. There's no way around it. You you can like be, I don't know, like a monk on a mountain somewhere in Tibet and like rejection is still a possibility because you're a human. And so it's not about oh, well, you know, this bad stuff happens to me. So therefore it must be affecting me. It's what is the story that you created about yourself? Like your dad could have left, but then you could have had, you know, a child therapist. You could have had really good conversations with your mom about it's not you, it's him and all of these things. And yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't create pain, but it might not have affected you the same way. But usually those types of things don't happen when less than ideal things happen in childhood. So we create a story around it. And so a dad leaving can create a story of, you know, I'm not good enough or people always leave or no one wants to be with me or I'm not lovable. Right. And so when you create that story, you pretty much are putting on like a pair of glasses, so to speak. And through these glasses are the lens in which you then see the world. And it's through the eyes of you not feeling good enough or not being good enough or not being lovable or again, whatever it is. And so the work is how can you actually just shift the glasses or change the glasses that you're wearing so that you can now look at the world knowing that you are good enough and other people's bad behavior is not a referendum on your lovability or your, or your worthiness. Now, on the flip side of that, if let's just say you feel like you don't have those issues from the past or you feel you're lovable, you feel whatever you are, does that mean you're ready? If so, what does ready mean? Because, you know, how do you even know? Do you wake up one day and you're like, yep, now I can date? <laughs> yeah, I that's a, that's a great question. And it's a very personal answer, like for every single person who's deciding, you know, when to end their dating break, if they were on some sort of hiatus after a relationship. And I think a really good gauge to go on is if you feel like you can go on a date or swipe and text with a few people. And if you get ghosted or if you get rejected or if someone sends you a dick pic or like whatever, you know, less than ideal thing that happens to you, if you're able to, yeah, sure, feel frustrated, feel rejection, like that's normal, that's human. But if you're able to feel that without all the drama, not like the drama that you're creating with the person, but the drama within yourself of like, oh gosh, I'm not good enough. Like what's wrong with me? I'm not lovable. Like if that's where your mind immediately goes, if you face any kind of rejection, then you've probably have some more inner work to do. But if you can go out and have fun and also deal with the rejection, because that's just part of the dating process. And again, let it hurt, but not let it like you know, take a hit at your worthiness or your lovability or how you see your worthiness or lovability, then I think you're in a really good spot to, you know, to go out and date. I will say though that, you know, I think we all have inner child stuff. Like I don't think anyone is necessarily free of that. And just because you're at a good spot where you feel like you can, you know, not get triggered every five seconds when you're dating, that doesn't mean things won't come up in relationships. And especially as a relationship becomes more serious, especially when you move in together, that brings up whole, whole other things. And it can actually bring up a lot more childhood stuff because then you're like living with someone, right? And you're and you're like trying to recreate things that you did in your house and they're trying to recreate things that they did in their house. Or like, how did they learn how to fight? Or how did you learn how to fight? So I think it's always going to be something that comes up. Um, but as long as you're able to work through it without just immediately, you know, going to fight or flight mode, I think you're in a good spot. Yeah, I, that's actually a great point because it's not just about preparing for 
dating, right? Or even, you know, with what's happening in the pandemic and like going back out into the real world, but it's about every step along the journey. And those are all just as important. And knowing that at each one, it's probably going to, yes, you'd be triggered, who knows by what, but you can expect a trigger when there's like some sort of change or transformation happening. It's probably a time where something like that is most likely to come up. So even if it's a good thing, like, oh, I'm moving in with my significant other, like that could trigger some things and beware that getting this practice down and understanding how to identify what you think triggers you and what story you have told yourself about that trigger, that it getting good at like identifying that and then coming up with like a little bit of a process about how to like deal with it or talk it out or whatever that means for you is probably the way to go. Because yeah, I can say like, I've been in a long-term relationship for like almost five years. And yes, there's steps along the way that sometimes feel hard or they go smoothly or whatever, but yes, they trigger things. It's a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, I sometimes will get emails from people and they'll say, Oh my gosh, Veronica, thanks for your podcast. I love your emails. I just want you to know that I met someone. So I'm going to unsubscribe, but I didn't want to just, you know, be rude and not, you know, they didn't want to ghost me or whatever. And I'm like, cool, I wish you well. But everything that I talk about has to do with like any stage of relationship, unless I'm literally talking about online dating. You know, so, you know, that's, that's the real point that I think I really want you know, my clients and when my community to get because this is about the dating, but it's also not about the dating. It's about you. And it's going to help grow your dating life and your also your relationships, but also like every other part of your life too. Speaking of growing parts of your life and, you know, getting into a relationship. Um, and I want to make this about me now because I'm anxious about dating. So, Okay, so I don't like internalize any of that stuff or feel like the you know that I, I'm rejected. I don't actually care if people don't like me. It's not really like my concern. I'm more concerned if I like them at this point because I don't like any guys because I feel like they're very unimpressive. But um, I do feel like the universe is against me because I'm 35. I keep making a resolution to like find love. I'm like 2020 is my year. Yay me! It's gonna happen. I'm ready. It's happening. And then coronavirus. And now I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Am I going to be 35 and a half by the time I am allowed out of my house again? And like, I'm going to have gray hair. My nails are going to be broken. No one's going to love me at that point because like, I look like a hot mess and like, I don't blame them, but it's just stalling this future I have created for myself that I want so badly. And I'm trying my best to be like patient with what's going on in the world. Cause obviously it's not just happening to me. It's happening around me and to everyone. Thankfully, I feel like that brings us all together, but what am I supposed to do? Like, should I keep trying to date and swipe? Like I've revamped my profile. I'm still hopeful. I'm trying, but like, also should I just give up? Cause it's not the right time. Um, I don't think you have to give up. I mean, I don't want anyone to give up on something that they want. So I'm never going to suggest or coach anyone to, to do that. I think that, um, you know, it sounds like there's there's a lot of frustration. It sounds like you're really attached to a particular outcome by a particular, you know, in a t particular timeline, which is very much societal based as to like when women are quote unquote supposed to be married or have kids or like, you know, whatever we're supposed, whenever we're supposed to do these checkbox things. And I think that when we try to align some sort of timeline along that, then I think it can begin to erode at our worthiness. And I think it can show up in different ways, right? Like, 
Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be like rejection is like the thing that's going to say whether or not there's some sort of like inner child or inner work to be done. Um, but I do think you have to look at, you know, what is, um, you know, the, you know, I wonder like if there's a part of you that's just like holding people at kind of like an arm's length because there's a fear there, not because you're afraid of getting rejected, but like a fear of, I mean, I don't know what it is because, you know, I haven't, I don't know you. I haven't, I haven't been able to coach you or to dig a little deeper and see what might be going on. Um, but a lot of times when I, you know, work with women who are feeling like a little bitter or a little jaded or frustrated or like, should I just give up? Or like, what am I supposed to do? Then I often find there's a little bit of softening that needs to, that needs to happen. Like there's a, there's just a lack of, um, you know, some sort of vulnerability either with themselves or maybe with the people that they're attracting. Um, and a lot of times that actually comes from the control, like of wanting to have something by a certain time, um, because either that's what you want or that's something that society says you want. And then that's kind of been internalized or whatever it is. Does that make sense? Totally does. Damn, you're good. It does make sense too, even just hearing it generally, like I think many people can relate, but also hearing it and knowing Jen well. Um, and and this is only to say because most people in Jen's shoes would feel this way. It's not maybe uber specific to Jen's personality necessarily, but yes, it could also be. But yes, of course, like women of a certain age, it's hard to let go of that societal like yeah. stigma that like if you're not married or this or that by this time, like even if you don't necessarily feel super like pressured in your own mind about it, you do know that people, other people are judging you if anything, yeah. and that feels weird or, or maybe you're judging yourself in conjunction with that, whatever that means, but you just know it's there. So I'm sure that's a thing. It does kind of make sense too, because Jen is very like, um, task oriented and like has a very strong personality. So like if she wants to do something, she normally like sets up a plan and does the thing. And so it's natural that anybody, again, we could get general or specific, anybody who is single and dating, who is looking to meet, some people are single and dating and just fine with being single, which is totally great. But if you're single and dating and looking to partner up, of course, the process is frustrating if you're not getting that result. But for someone like Jen, who's like type A and likes to get things done and like is task oriented, it's extra annoying and extra frustrating. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, how come like this thing isn't happening? And now you feel all of these, this pressure time-wise, like, are people judging me? Should I be doing this? I'm this age. Why isn't it happening now? Like tick, tick, tick. I think that that actually can make sense for so many people, but for Jen's go-getter personality, that seems like it could be a thing. It's not about rejection. Like Jen is not afraid of rejection. It's yeah. Could, it's it's a little bit more gray than that. I think that is actually kind of could kind of make sense, Jen. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I agree. That makes so much sense also about like the softening and like that work that should be done. But going back to what Lauren said about me being a go-getter and having a plan. So let's talk about the plan. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I need action items, even if the action item is to like like stop being so action oriented. I fine, but I need to, some direction how to move my dating and relationships forward amongst this time. Like I just to be fully transparent, I have set up a curriculum for myself. Like I'm learning different things during this time period. I'm doing like 
all sorts of other types of work on myself. I'm learning French. So like every day I have my to-do list and I also revamp my dating profile. I like wrote a different thing. I'm trying to take different approaches like virtual happy hour and being open to like what the world is bringing me in this time frame. But are there things that are not just for the, you know, go-getter human like me that people can be doing right now that's like maybe a five-step plan or some sort of like work they can be doing if they do want to swipe and put themselves out there at this time. Yeah. So I think that, you know, whether you're just, you know, virtually dating right now, or if it's like normal time and you're, and you're out dating, I think that you have to look at how you're relating to the dating in general. So if you're relating to the dating as like a got to do this, got to do this kind of like a, almost like a job search process or a job application process, then um, I think that's, going to be a struggle. Or if you're relating to dating as like, you know, need to accomplish this, this, and this by this, this, this isn't time, then I think that's, again, I think that's going to be a struggle. And that's going to be true whether or not you're dating online now or dating after all of this is, all of this is over. So, you know, what I would, what I would recommend is like, what is your relationship to dating? So right now your relationship to dating to me from what I'm hearing is it sounds like it's very like you, like you want control, like in, in a way that we can get control are like the steps, like we want to do this and this and this and this, and then boom. And in some ways that's in like your, your archetype, like very success oriented, goal oriented, action oriented, like that's like <laughs> the type of woman that I work with predominantly. And I, th- and I see where they struggle is, you know, when, you know, you go to elementary school, you go to middle school, you go to high school, and you go to college, you get your degree, and then maybe you get a master's, maybe you don't, or maybe you get another degree, maybe you don't, but then you get a job, and then you do this and this, and you get a promotion, and you do this, this, and get a raise. And it's just, it's very linear. It's very clear on what you need to do if you want to get to the next level, if you want to pass this test, if you want to make more money, or whatever it is. And so a lot of times we can apply that kind of thinking to our dating life and our relationships. And they're like, all right, I need to get my profile up. I need to get on this app. I need to get on that app because, you know, there's the most people there, or like whatever the logical reason you might want to get on a certain app. And then I need to swipe this many times or for this long a day. And then I need to have this many dates and then blah, 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 blah. And it's like very much like, it's almost, it's like trying to treat it like a linear process. Like it was almost like a numbers game. And the problem is, is that it doesn't work like that. Like relationships are not linear. Dating and finding a connection is not linear. And that's because, you know, if we're going to talk about this within the realm of like feminine masculine energy, you also need to bring in some of the feminine energy to dating. So obviously like the masculine energy is like actually showing up and sending the texts or making the swipes or going on the date or whatever it is. But then the feminine energy is where you actually just slow down and be present and connect with yourself so that you can better connect with other people because you can only connect with others as much as you can connect with yourself. And the goal when you go on a date is whether it's again, virtual or, you know, in person later on, um, is just to have fun and to, I like to always use the mantra, just like, be curious. Like, what can you learn about the other human sitting on the other side of the table or the other side of the screen from you? And that's the only goal. The goal is like, not, is this person marriage material? Is this person into me? Is this person a good fit for me? Because if that's where your mind's going, then you're already not present. And when you're not present, it's impossible to make a connection. And so that's often why I see, um, clients who, 
might be attracting a bunch of really great potential partners, but there's just no interest or there's just no, they don't feel that spark that they're looking for. And it's because they're not really present on the date because they're like using that kind of linear thinking mindset that they use to get so successful in their career. And they're trying to use that in their in their dating life. So I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but I think it's the same answer as to whether or not we're virtually dating right now or dating in person later on. It totally makes sense. I, I guess like how do we then apply that to the modern dating world? Like we can't go out and meet people and like do a temperature check on our chemistry or like, you know, even to be present in front of each other. So how do we do that with like swiping and reading profiles or maybe hopefully you can move to text and then a FaceTime if you even get there? Yeah, I think, I think you know, again, this is like an unprecedented time. Hopefully it's the only time this will ever happen in our lifetime. And so, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about the Netflix show Love is Blind. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have have seen that. I haven't seen the whole series, so no spoilers if you have. But um, obviously, this is not necessarily Love is Blind in the sense that they're sitting in two rooms, you know, sort of like a piece of glass and then they can't see each other. You know, with FaceTime, you can see each other. And I think we're just having to learn a new way to connect with people, you know, because it's what we have. Like we only have the texting and the message apps and FaceTime right now. And I think that you can look at it as a hindrance, like, oh, but we don't know if there's chemistry and how well can you really get to know a person before you see them in person. And, and sure. And I think those are all totally valid concerns, which obviously come up in love is blind after they get engaged after never seeing each other before. Um, but I think that you can also look at it as an opportunity. So everything is just how you relate to it. You know, it can be an opportunity in the sense of like, you actually have to talk to each other. You're not going to go to the person's house on the second or third date and then like have sex with them sooner than you wanted to. Or, you know, it's not going to turn physical sooner than you wanted to. Or you're not going to like go and just listen to live music and not really talk to each other. Or you're not going to like go to this museum where you're just talking about the things that you're looking at or whatever. You actually have to talk to each other. And so it's an opportunity to get to know each other. Is it perfect? No. Is it ideal? Probably not. But I think for right now, it is what it is. And I think, um, you know, I think with online dating, it's all about how you relate to it. And I think for right now, you can look at it as, well, this sucks. I don't know if there's chemistry. Um, in which case you can make the choice as to whether or not you want to continue dating, or you can look at it as an opportunity and be like, look, the guys who aren't willing to, you know, FaceTime with me for an hour, they're probably not interested in a serious relationship anyway. So you can look at it as like, just like a good weeding out process. Um, and then take advantage of the people who are willing to have an actual like online date where you, you know, cook your own dinner, bring your own wine or whatever, and just see it as an opportunity. I think that's a perfect example of like, even going back to what you talked about, like what kind of story you're telling yourself, right? Because all these things can happen to people. The pandemic's happening to all of us. All of us could have had a dad that left. All of us could, basically there's more than one person who can relate to that. Right now we all Mm -hmm. have something majorly in common because of the pandemic. So it's like you, if you, it could weed out showing and proving to you how serious somebody is going to want to be. If they're not willing to FaceTime with you, that's the only option. Then they're not willing to really meet you. And that could be the same place where you practice being present. Because if you're in that moment and you're not worrying about like, okay, God, what's going to happen if I can't ever see this person in a month? Or, oh my God, like, um, 
I, how, when am I going to hear from them again? Just be in the moment, be happy that you're talking to somebody new and that you're getting to have this virtual date. Because if this were like 20 years ago, th- it would be a whole other story. Like we wouldn't even get, we would really be isolated. So being thankful for that and then being present in that moment, it's like a good way to practice it. And like you said, weed out people who aren't serious. If you don't want to FaceTime with somebody and that's the only option, like that is kind I'm sorry, but I'm not saying like, that, okay, maybe you could do a phone call. There might be a couple other options, but like that is kind of the logical next step, right? Like mm-hmm. you text, you talk, and then you set up a FaceTime date. Like everyone's doing it with their friends. So if someone's not willing to do that, like I think that's a very good example of like if this person really wants to be there or not. Yeah. I mean, this is actually something that I recommend to my clients, you know, outside of coronavirus time is, you know, I remember when I was online dating, I would be so frustrated because I wouldn't necessarily always schedule the phone calls and I would go on a date. And sometimes like you just know, like you show up on the date and you're just like, wah, wah. <laughs> like there's just no chemistry or connection or you're like, this is not who I thought you were or whatever. And so, and so once I started doing the phone dates, I wasn't doing, I don't know if FaceTime was around then. Oh yeah, it's probably around. Anyways, I was just doing a phone call even. And that was just so helpful because A, if someone's not getting the phone, then they're not that serious, or at least they're not looking for what I'm looking for. And also it just helps so much because then if you have a fun phone conversation, then you're probably going to have a good date. Um, It's not guarantee, but it certainly helps, you know, get the odds more in your favor. And so if someone, you know, you can start with a phone call and if the phone call goes well, then you can see it as like Skype or FaceTime being like the next step because then, you know, you'll probably do your hair a little bit and put on some makeup. And so you're not going to do that for just anybody. Um, and and then again, you can just get to know each other that way. And the people who are wanting what you want will be available for that too. And I think part of that just has to come from trust um, and focus on the opportunities that we have in front of ourselves rather than what we don't have right now. Jen and I have actually talked about this personally, and we have had this suggested by friends or other like dating experts or anybody like it does make sense to have a phone call or a FaceTime. Like we know a guy who literally like I FaceTime before all of this, like years ago was like, I always FaceTime with a girl before I meet her. And like, there was part of us that like kind of cringed at that. Like, Oh, why would you do that? But it's like, if you think about the steps in which like, um, like if you think about it in baby steps, it kind of makes sense. Cause like you're going from just texting or talking and then like all of a sudden, bam, you see somebody like, which is fine, but it's just something that we got used to doing. Like, I think this may become part of our regular dating process even after this is over, because it does kind of make sense to like, have that little gateway into the actual date, you're not going to get full on chemistry read, but you get a little, I would think just by visual. Yeah, I, I, I I totally agree. While we're on the subject of, um, you know, banishing anxiety, you have a five step strategy to do so. Can you just walk us through what that is? Because I'm sure right now people are looking for this self-help and you have a great workshop that you provide and they have nothing but time. So what can people learn from this with your five steps? Yeah. So the first thing is to recognize that all of the dating woes, so online dating, texting, 
unsolicited dick pics, like all of those things, those are frustrations, but they're not the problem. They are symptoms of a deeper problem. And so when you can begin to recognize that, then I think that's when you begin to open yourself up to doing the inner work as to like, okay, so I am the common denominator in, you know, in my dating life and all the relationships that I've had. Doesn't mean that you're broken or need to be fixed. I don't believe that is true of anybody. Um, But it does begin to help you take personal responsibility. And if you're not able to take personal responsibility, then I just think it's hard to make anything happen, right? Like a client who's just constantly, well, it's probably, probably this person never become a client, but you know, it's fine to be frustrated with online dating. But if you really believe that online dating or men as a, you know, as a gender or whatever are the problem, then you know, nothing's really going to change. So I think that's the first, that's the first piece. And then the second piece is, you know, to begin to understand your patterns. So like what I was talking about before, what do your relationships remind you of? When have you felt like that before? Um, you know, and again, it doesn't always have to do with rejection, but if it's about control or, you know, for me, a lot of my pattern had to do with, I created a belief when I was younger that I could get external validation by getting good grades and by um, being skinny because like the women in my family had put a lot of pressure on the girls and the family to look a certain way. And there was always talk about body size and like who was fat and who was skinny and whatever. And so I realized that if I was looking a little skinnier, then I would get praise for it. Like I, like people would say something about it. And when you're 10 years old or 11 or whatever, that feels good. And it's very easy to then confuse that with love. And so the only way I knew I was able to get love was by these things that were outside of me. So looking a certain way, getting good grades, you know, scoring the field hockey goal, getting first chair flute, all of these things, I got approval that felt like love and it made me feel good. And that's where I drew my worthiness from. And then, and that's, I think that's things like that are fairly common. And then as an adult, I didn't really know how to connect with people in a deeper way. I only knew, um, okay, well, if I act this way or if I act flirty or if I dress this way, then I know I can get this guy's attention. So it's not really that surprising that a good part of my early dating life was consisting of a lot of one night stands or friends with benefits when I really wanted more. And I was just pretending to myself that they really wanted more. If I kept having sex with them, then, you know, probably maybe eventually they would love me. And like, that was like the my mindset, because that's just how I learned to get that feeling of love and approval from, from others. So that's just an example. But once you can begin to decipher that pattern, then I think that um, it's, you know, super, super helpful. Um, and then the, the third step is then to, we talked about this a little bit before, but also looking at the feminine and masculine energy in dating and relationships. And are you, um, you know, treating your dating life like you do your career or especially like for women listening who are in corporate, do you treat it like that linear kind of do this, do this, do this, and then you get this kind of process? Or are you allowing more of that creativity and flow and presence and emotion into your dating life? Because again, it's not, it has to be more fluid. Like it's not like a linear type of process. Um, And then the next step is to, this is my favorite, it's to stop edutaining, um, which is a made up word. I did not make up this word. I can't remember I first heard it, but basically I know a lot of women will just read dating advice book after dating advice book after dating advice book, and they could probably write their own dating advice book at this point. And 
The problem with that is a book is not that it's bad to learn knowledge. I think knowledge is great. Knowledge is usually how we begin to develop the first sense of awareness of like where we are and what's not working in our life. And you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know what you don't know, it's really hard to change it. So I'm not like saying, oh, you shouldn't read books or listen to podcasts or whatever. Again, I think it's an important part of the process, but it's not the only part of the process. And it's certainly not the last step in the process. And so when you stop edutaining yourself, I talk about how I help my clients change and transform their love life. And I look at it in four categories, the spiritual, emotional, mental, physical. So a lot of times we hang out in the mental and physical world. We want to read books. So we want to like learn. That's the mental. We want to say like feel good affirmations or whatever. And again, that's all great. Um, And then the physical, like updating your profile, texting this instead of that, or saying this instead of that, or saying that, or wearing this, or acting like this, or whatever. These things are important. And if you don't do these things differently, then nothing will change. However, it doesn't create sustainable change in the long run. It's kind of akin to, you know, why diets don't work, right? Like if you do Noom or Weight Watchers, you know, science is science. You probably will lose weight while you're on the program. But when you're off the program, more people or most people usually gain the weight back. And that's because it doesn't address why you're eating in the first place or why you're overeating or why you're craving the chocolate cake instead of the salad or whatever. And so for that, you have to look at the deeper stuff and that's the spiritual and the emotional. So the spiritual is like connection with self, connection with either divine universe, God, whatever, you know, your tone is, um, and, and trust. And, and those are the big pieces there. And then the emotional is the inner work, the inner child work, working through tough emotions, being comfortable, letting go of control, being comfortable with vulnerability, like all of that stuff that when you can shift that kind of stuff, then the changing the mental, like your thought patterns and your beliefs and changing the physical, it almost kind of works itself out because you're not like your emotions that you have, like the emotions the fear around being vulnerable or the fear around rejection or the feeling not good enough or whatever, that creates stories, that creates beliefs that you have about yourself. The beliefs that you have about yourself are going to create your actions. And so you can't just change the physical and the mental because then you're just kind of, I I talk about it in the workshop, it's kind of like akin to having like an apple tree and you want to make it an orange tree and you do that by picking the apples and then trying to put the oranges back in their place. (laughs) Like it's not going to work. You have to look, look at the root of the problem and grow new or plant new seeds and then grow a new orange tree. Right. And so that's what the emotional spiritual work is, because then that will change the thoughts, which will change the actions. Um, You know, and then and then the fifth step is you don't do this alone. You know, I think, you know, hiring a coach or working with a therapist or talking to a trusted friend or another adult that you feel comfortable with, I think is really important because sometimes people can see your own blind spots. And especially when you have a source that is not biased. So, I mean, of course, we love our friends, but sometimes our friends can just be like almost too nice and they don't want to say, well, have you ever thought about this or have you ever looked at that because maybe they're afraid they would hurt your feelings or whatever. Um, but just having some sort of third party to help you see some of the stuff, especially if there's a lot of trauma or a lot of emotion in your past, you know, that can be a lot to to deal with by yourself and you definitely don't have to. There are definitely resources and people available to support yeah, we always say that it takes a village to date and it really for anything, but I love that. all of it. But that is honestly, all the steps are really helpful to make it. You've explained them so well. It's not, doesn't feel overwhelming. 
getting down to the asking yourself the deeper question is really specific. And all of this would help banish anxiety. And especially just knowing that you're in it. I think that's the most important thing that you're in it with a bunch of other people who can relate or you can reach out to friends or therapists or whatever. That's so important to know. And I think it really does help it feel less anxiety ridden because even right now, anxiety is on a high. And if you are an anxious person, you could be triggered by that. So now any other little thing that might cause you anxiety sometimes is now super sensitive. Like, oh my God, the dating, like, oh my, you know, it's like, could make you go down a rabbit hole. So knowing that you're in this together, knowing that everyone's kind of experiencing this with you. And there's a lot of people even more specifically in the dating world who can relate. And you can listen to Veronica's podcast. You can listen to our podcast. You can call a friend, like all those things are at your, their resources for you and to reach out and use those things so that you don't get overwhelmed by the anxiety, especially right now. Totally, totally, a hundred percent. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You said it perfectly. It's and actually, one thing that I that I want to add to that is, the tools don't really differ, right? Like I know there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of unknown, and we're being forced to just take things moment by moment almost, and that's forcing the presence. It's forcing us to just let go and of what we can't control, and. This is on a greater scale, of course, but it's no different than when you're on a date and you're across from the table from the person and you're like, I don't know, I really like this person. Does this person like me? Like, how do they feel? Do they want to see me again? Like, I don't, you know, you, like, yeah, I get it's a different scale, but it, like the tools don't change. Like you still have to use trust. You still have to use your tools around presence and non-attachment. And so whatever you're doing to cope with you know, the craziness right now, like it's going to also have payoffs in your love life. And if you're focusing on the inner work around your love life, like those tools are also going to be the same ones for coronavirus. Like it's not like it's different stuff for different parts of life because it's still all about you and your emotions and your feeling feelings and how you're relating to everything. Thank you so much, Veronica, for joining us today. This has been super helpful and hopefully we all feel just a little bit less anxious. And if not, can you please remind everyone where they can find you, work with you, listen to you, all of the things? Yeah. So the workshop that I briefly outlined, um, you can listen to that. It's totally free. You can get that at veronicagrant.com forward slash workshop. And I also have a podcast where you can probably find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's called The Love Life Connection. And I bring women and clients and community members onto the show where I actually coach them through doing the inner work as it relates to dating and relationships. So if you're kind of like, huh, that sounds interesting, but not sure how it works, then you can actually listen to me coach some women around inner child work and dealing with their blocks and all that kind of good stuff. So that's the love life connection. Thank you again. And don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, writer, actor, and director, Haley White. And if you want to join our class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show. And it's complicated wherever you get your podcast, rate, comment, tell a friend. And don't forget to follow me on all the social meds at Lauren Leonelli. And you can follow me on all the social meds as well at Jennifer Golden. And we will be back next week. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 